Welcome to Name Drop San Diego, a podcast about the fascinating people in, around, and from San Diego. Today's guest is Joaquin McWinney, aka Kino, the singer behind the 1994 hit Baby I Love Your Way. If you don't already know the song, which I'm almost positive that you do, look it up on YouTube. Kino's band Big Mountain formed in San Diego in the 1980s, and that song took them to the top of Billboard charts and around the world. Today, Kino still plays music, and he's also an activist and more recently a kombucha maker. My colleague Laura Castaneda spoke to Kino last week. Here's her interview. Thank you so much for joining us for Name Drop. And you can refer to me as Laura or Laura, whatever you're more comfortable with. Um, I'm really honored that you gave us a few minutes here to find out more about you and your wonderful career. I want to start, Kino, by asking you, uh, where did you get this love and passion for music? Where did it come from? My first um, recollection of really seeing music performed, and I think that that's probably where it has the most impact, um, was probably, I mean, my, my mother's brother, my uncle Oscar, and um, and my uncle Eddie was probably playing with him as well. My uncle Oscar plays piano. My uncle Eddie <clears throat> uh, passed away several years ago. He played bass guitar. My uncle Oscar was always um, the front man of his bands. You know, he's just got a great personality and charisma. So um, he, he was a great person to model for me since I, I would end up having to take on that responsibility in most of the projects that I've been. So I always laugh and say, um, you know, that uh, I just stole his, his stick. He did my uncle Oscar's uh, uh, whole act and I've been just playing his, uh, it was really easy for me to just adopt that. But also my, my grandparents or my, uh, my grandfather, his generation, my mother's uh, father, Onesimo Arias and his uh, two siblings um, also had a conjunto band back. They were, they were uh, immigrants from Chihuahua um, in, in Coachella um, area. And it was just always part of that life, that ranch life. You worked hard um, and you partied hard and you danced hard and you'd water down this packing shed. And so I got to really taste a lot of that um, whole experience as well. Just the uh, Mexican-American farmer, musician um, experience that, uh, you know, that has enriched this country so much. And what about the actual, like, uh, study of music, like instruments and the vocals? Did you just, are you self-taught or did you actually take lessons and try to work your way up to being an artist? You know what, I'm not theoret theoretically trained in music. Um, I've, t I've taken a lot of, you know, workshops and I've learned a lot. I've studied a lot um, on my own. Um, but no, I never really had that interest to do that you know uh, music for me was um was always really important a musical part of it I, I always enjoyed it but i always recognized music as a, as a very strong um vehicle uh to to bring a message and and i i think that that's you know after the time that i i look back in in my life i think that's kind of been the impulse in in my in my music is to is to try to um, not only bring something that's really good to listen to, um, but but it's gonna um, 
open people up and maybe inspire them the way I was inspired by um, so many uh, of the great artists that I admire. So at some point, you uh, form your own band and you're the lead vocalist, Big Mountain. Um, what was what was the premise behind the group? Like, what kind of music were you setting out to do? And who were the members, the original members? You know, we really started out um, as, God, you know, the, the, the reggae scene in San Diego where I grew up was very small. Um, and everybody knew each other. And, you know, a few bands scattered across the county. And what was beautiful about that time was that we're talking about this is post-Vietnam. Um, people are still marching in the streets. There's still a, a real sense of um, the ability to change the world and make it better. Um, it, it, it not, it, it's nothing compared to the cynicism that we, that we see today. And we found ourselves part of this collective um, my our band, um, which at that time, you know, the very beginning, right before we started calling ourselves Big Mountain, um, uh, the band was, you know, there was a few years of a lot of different bands happening. You're playing with all of these different types of uh, uh, musicians. But um, the very first Big Mountain album was uh, recorded by my good friend, Brent Fulvard, um, who's also uh, from um, Point Loma. Um, Greg Blakeney uh, was on drums. I have no idea where Greg is at. Uh, Jerome Cruz on guitar, which uh, unfortunately we lost Jerome Cruz about uh, three years ago. Um, and me and then Manfred Ranke, my good friend Manfred Ranke, who now lives in, in Thailand. Um, that was the original core first album in 1992. But that whole, that even that band was kind of like something that had been put together for the purpose of trying to record the best album we could. Um, that the whole experience kind of comes from um, what what we were doing um, with as a collective around the Czech Cafe at UCSD, and there was just an interesting mixture of students and artists and musicians, and it was resistance, and we were you know there was still the real. Um, activist energy of uh, the 60s and the and the 70s was still really strong there um, at that time and the the big mountain um, struggle um, which is uh, Navajo Diné people a community in uh, northern Arizona that uh, at that time and still is uh, fighting relocation um, from uh, a mining operation a U.S. government you know trying to relocate uh, those uh, that community from their traditional lands. They were having um, rallies and, uh, and benefits and food runs and things like that because the resistance was really, really strong at that point. And we got, you know, just really inspired by that and learned so much um, about, uh, about the type of music we were playing. And we definitely connected reggae music uh, to what we were doing as activists and people that wanted to change the world. And that's, that's kind of like the birthplace of how it all happened in the very beginning. I definitely want to circle back to more of the activism because there's, you've done so many things, but a couple of things in particular that I'm going to come back to and ask you about, but, you know, thanks for that explanation about the, um, the name of the group. Cause I really didn't know that before. And 
I know, you know, I'm going to touch on something you may or may not um, want to go back to, but I think it's important to let the audience know that um, almost everybody has probably heard you on a pop uh, radio station or a top 40 radio station with the remake of Baby I Love Your Way. Um, originally, I believe, recorded by Peter Frampton in the 70s. Um, that's where I first heard it anyway. It might have been recorded before that. But you came along with this with your group and did this remake for a movie. Can you tell us tell, tell us how that happened? Tell us the story of that. Um, yeah, it was um, the Peter Frampton song was already in the movie Reality Bites with uh, Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, um, Ben Stiller, right? Um, and. Uh, and it was, you know, it was this kind of like uh, it was so the the movie was supposed to explain what Generation X was at the time for uh, those that uh, weren't on the end. And um, so the Peter Frampton song is in the movie. The you know one of the higher ups came up with this idea of doing a reggae version of "Baby I Love Your Way." Um, for the album, for the soundtrack. Back then, soundtracks were really big. I don't. I mean, they still are, but they're not. Uh, they don't carry the weight that they used to. Um, but uh, so they sent the song out, or you know, to uh, to a few reggae bands, and uh, we were one of the bands that were asked to do a demo, and we got the job, and and that's how it happened. Well, I saw on YouTube you have about oh I don't know twenty two million views of that song, so I guess I guess you did something right and it was well liked. How much did your life change after that happened? Very much, very very much. It was uh, it was a shock to uh, to to my system, and uh, I had a tough time uh, adjusting to to the change. Definitely, uh, but you know it was also filled with splendor and awe and uh traveling around the world and meeting all kinds of amazing people and you know getting to play with all of my heroes um you know and and festivals and big crowds um and then a little bit of the beatlemania kind of vibe for for about a year or so everybody had told me that uh, you're not going to have any control over your image or the music and all of that kind of stuff and i understand I, I, I had heard that enough times, but I didn't really realize exactly how it was going to play out. So by the time the third um, album um, was ready to be recorded, I, I pretty much would, had was done. I was exhausted. We had been touring uh, really steadily, but I wasn't happy. You know, I'm, it's, it's weird looking back at that time. And, um, you know, Baby, I Love Your Way, of course, has been a, an amazing blessing Um and it's opened so many doors and it continues to open doors. And now it's beautiful because I can appreciate it so much more now uh, than I did then. But I, I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wanted to have control. I wanted to be portrayed exactly how I want to be portrayed. And uh, I, I, I kind of lost that battle. We hear that a lot, you know, with music artists who, um, you know, go into this and of course every artist wants their work out there so it kind of feels like maybe you had a, a trade-off there like in order to get your music out there to the audience level that you really wanted it to reach it was like almost a trade-off of you being able to 
control your look and your sound and your wardrobe and your, you know, whatever else you wanted the, your persona to be. Um, and it, I, I can hear in your voice that, you know, that uh, you still maybe think about it or at least it has crossed your mind. Would you say that? Or have you, is that something you totally put behind you and you've just moved on? You know, no. I mean, I love singing a song, you know. I, I love great songs. The vast majority of the people that know about Big Mountain in the world um, know about Big Mountain primarily because of that song. How does that feel to hear yourself on the radio? You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely gratifying. You know, I, uh, I mean, the, 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 farther, the, the farther I get away from kind of like that whole part of my career, um, the more I'm able to analyze it and process it in much more positive directions, you know. The beautiful thing is, is that uh, Big Mountain um, is strong. I've been, you know, playing with the, the guys that I'm currently playing with. Um, some of them for as, as many as 23 years, and, and all of them have been a part of the family for, for uh, you know, a long, long time. And um, we just got through recording an album in Jamaica. We hadn't done that in a long time, and we did it during a pandemic. Um, the whole Now that the whole digital world is coming together, um, a lot of people are starting to appreciate our music. They've never stumbled upon our music. We are having so much fun right now. So tell me more about the Jumanji. How did that happen? I didn't write the song. They have to ask Peter Frampton permission, but they don't have to tell me anything. I can't remember exactly where I was when I got a message from my friend on Facebook or Messenger. And she goes, Kino, I'm sitting in a theater. I'm watching Jumanji. It is, it is the first day. It's out. And Baby, I Love Your Way is, on, is in the movie. So I was like, oh, wow, really? And you had no idea. I had no idea. Wow. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because, um, you know, for time reasons, I don't want to run out of time. There's a couple of things I really want to ask you about. And you, um, you know, activism is uh, close to your heart. You've done a lot of different, uh, been involved in a lot of different um, things that have gone on. And you were able to do a duo, probably more than one, but you did a duo or several duos with Chunky Sanchez, with Ramon Chunky Sanchez and his group and you know tell me about that how did the how did that duo come about and what what kind of sound and work were you after there you know after um several years really focusing on reggae and being part of that whole community i just had a longing to to really get in touch with my chicano roots um you know, my family was not real big Chicanos, my Mexican side of my family, kind of, you know. And I know you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, it, it was kind of like something that was just always sort of, you know, weren't supposed to really talk about it freely. And so I was always really curious about why that was. I had a friend, um, still my friend, uh, named Samuel Constancio at the time that he and I were working on this song called Linda Chicana. He had started it off as a poem and I started to add some music to it. And, um, and he had always talked about Chunky and it was just like, with you know, we kept on saying one day, one day, one day. And then one, one day we just said, all right, it's time to go track down Chunky. And I'd already, I knew who Chunky was even just recently before that there, there had been a big spread 
and the union or LA Times or something like that about him. So I was aware of the man. I was aware of his importance, but I, I, I hadn't had time to really investigate. It was it was amazing to meet the man, but I was you know then then to see him perform, um, I was transformed. Sure, you know really. Um, I uh, I not only admired him for just the amazing uh, um, artist that he was, but his ability to communicate and his ability to uh, use music, you know, to, and, and, you know, and we were talking about this before, about just it always interested me so much and felt it was so powerful the way music could uh, be a vehicle for message. And I saw Chunky uh, doing this flawlessly and so effectively. Um, and then slowly but surely, you know, I, I started, to, I, I became his protege. Um, I ended up co-producing a, an album um, with him that, you know, one of the last uh, big projects that they, that he was on. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, being his friend and just, just soaking in, uh, all of that, all of that wisdom and, and just being, uh, an insider to the entertainment because Chunky was always on. He was just, you know, whether he was feeling good or feeling not. He was he very always, special. And, and you know what? I think, I think audiences are San Diego are just, you know, so grateful and thankful that you did that work together because, you know, you say you're his protege and you are and you have, you know, thank goodness you did the work because who knew we were going to lose him? Who knew the community, you know, the community had no idea. So I think it's wonderful that you were able to do those projects together and spend so much time with him, really. That's a blessing. He left mm -hmm. a big hole. Well, I know you also did um, Deportation Nation. I saw the the music video uh, right there by the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, the most uh, the southern tip that you can get close to the border wall there. Uh, strong lyrics, strong message. What, what, you know, how did that project come about? I and I live in a deportation nation. I did my time up on the big plantation. I had my spot, but then my spot was taken. My reality shaken. You know, that was just one of these self-financed singles that uh, you come up with. And I, I, at the time, um, uh, the um, the caravanes were coming from um, Honduras and and southern Mexico. And um, it was just, you know, it was just really grueling to see and, and uh, to see what the people were, were experiencing. At that time, I was spending a lot of time on the road. So, you know, and... Of course, we're talking in the middle of the Trump era. <laughs> so I was just enraged. And I, you know, I got together with my brother. I, and we weren't, Big Mountain really wasn't, you know, I think we were half active, half not. We were supposedly had already kind of come back from a hiatus. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, 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 we we wrote that song with a good friend of mine, Brett Fulvarg, actually the bass player of the original um, Big Mountain album. He lives in, he's a producer now in Hawaii. So he did a, he did a track for us. I, I gave him an idea of what I wanted. And um, yeah, that was just our response, man, to just, you can't, uh, you can't let a big bully um, bully us around without 
with, with without having some sort of response and, and there was there was it just seemed like there was no other way to deal uh with him because the people just don't seem active right now the people i mean there 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 is activeness but it's just like the i don't know there's just such a detachment be- between the the old people and the young people right now in the activist community you know mm-hmm. um and uh, of course you know it, it, it right now being as busy as i am my contribution is the music I also wanted to ask you about your film career because I do attend the San Diego Latino Film Festival as often as I can. And I saw that you made a, I don't know if it was your film debut, but you were definitely in the film um, by director Agustin Castaneda and uh, another actor was in it, Paul Rodriguez, called Ruta Madre. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah. Uh, you know, me, me and Castaneda, we shared a, a, a classroom together. Uh, I taught high school in Sweetwater Union High School District uh, for like seven years. And um, the last little bit of my career at uh, Sweetwater Union High School District, uh, I I got, uh, we worked in this special project uh, together and uh, we just became great friends. Uh, We started collaborating on a couple of different things. We did some interesting things. And then it was interesting because at the time I was working on relaunching Big Mountain and he was working on the funding um, for Ruta Madre. So I got to see a little bit of the the, uh, back end or the back, I should say, behind the scenes of how that's all happened. And uh, yeah, just a good friend, a talented guy. He asked me to, to, you know, to do that part. And I was, oh, and then of course uh, the song Daisy, uh, I, I wrote and performed uh, the song that was also placed in the soundtrack. And yeah, just just great to be part of a, you know, production and, and, and see my brother, uh, ha- you know, have that success, realize that dream. And he keeps, he's working hard right now. Yeah. Do you hope to continue to make appearances in film or even further an acting career or no? You know, I have a lot of ideas in film. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, right now, I'm kind of feeling like I need to focus a couple more or at least a few more years on nailing a, a sort of a new uh, era of Big Mountain, I guess I would say, um, with this new album, because we, we were taking a big leap. Um, our style is really going to be changing after this album. Um, but I, I would may, maybe not, you know, I just have a lot of ideas that I think I I could get out through the medium of film. Um, whether I have to act, I, I do enjoy acting. You know, it's funny just because me, me and my, my daughter, I have a 14 year old daughter, Sibali, and, and we even play around. Sometimes we'll, we'll film each other. Great to be able to spend time with your children that way, you know, yes. just sometime goofing around. Um, exactly. I also wanted to ask you, uh, you know, what is left? What else do you want to do? And then in trying to coordinate this interview, you mentioned that you're onto a business venture. So tell me about that. So I used Ensenada, Mexico, sort of my as my escape from San Diego that wasn't too far away. Um, and I started building this whole life, friends, and, um, and then that eventually um, ran into me not being able to find kombucha when I was down here because I, I just discovered kombucha a couple of years before I moved down. I loved it. And um, so I learned, started to learn how to make it. And then pretty soon um, my nephew, 
Jesus Abel. He started helping me with it, and it became a hobby. And next thing you know, people started asking us for it, and it just organically grew like that. And now uh, we're say we're going to be celebrating our fourth year um, distributing kombucha, mainly to restaurants and um, like uh, natural food stores and markets and stuff like that. Here in um, in mostly Ensenada, um, Tijuana. But our big market now is in Valle de Guadalupe, the, the wine valley uh, that's very close to Ensenada, which has all of these really cool restaurants and chefs and food, you know, trends happening. So we're really excited because we we're, now we just moved our factory to El Valle de Guadalupe. So that's pretty much going to be our focus. Beautiful country, that's for sure. And for those who yes. may not be familiar with kombucha what does it taste like what is it it's it's a fermented tea um that uh, after the fermentation process we add juice 100 freshly squeezed or pressed juice and uh, then we ferment it for a couple more days and really i mean it kind of comes out with a slight like a slightly sour fermented uh soda pop mm. the way we make it um, it's 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 very easy uh, for for people to drink, but it but it does have that fermentation taste to it. It's you know it's, it's sort of the base. If you like uh, um, that 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 kind of taste, it, it, it's funny because in, well in in Mexico they make tepache. So I, I always tell Mexicans it's kind of like tepache, which you know tepache has that fermented taste to it, right? Mm-hmm. But in the United States, I'm trying to think that we don't we don't have something that really kind of kombucha is very is very unique in a lot of ways. It's not a beer. You know, it's not totally sweet, um, it, but it is slightly sweet. But it, it, it's it's full of probiotics, um, full of um, electrolytes and all kinds of wonderful enzymes. Very low in sugar. Like you know, I mean, compared to soda pop or or orange juice, it's, it has so very little compared to anything like that. So it is an alternative to people that are trying to cut down on their sugar. You know, it's not a it's not a cure all, and it also adds to your microbiome. Here I am giving the sales pitch in this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most people do that. Can we find it in the United States yet? And what is what is the label? What is it called? Uh, It's called Big Mountain Kombucha. Of course. Yes. Made a big departure there. Um, And no, it's it's nowhere in the United States at the moment. And uh, for those that venture on down to Baja, they, they will find it somewhere down there yes okay. we have a we have a factory like if you you know if you uh google map uh big mountain kombucha on the weekends we serve uh, uh fresh kombucha and then uh yeah there's there's you know various markets um around tijuana also you can find it in, in a lot of different places in tijuana as well okay so if, you, if they go to our website big mountain kombucha.com um i think we pretty we usually have that pretty much updated with all the places the in the great or, or 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 give us a call send us an email okay well i i have a couple like quick little questions i'm going to ask you they call it like a little lightning round of questions just for people to get to know you better personally so what's your favorite food i, I love vegan food when it's prepared well and delicious and it's just because it doesn't hurt me and in the long run it's you can make it absolutely as delicious as any kind of food and it's just easier on the body Favorite restaurant in San Diego? Speaking of that, yeah. 
current run in Cafe Gratitude, man. <laughs> Favorite restaurant in Baja? In Baja. Well, I'd have to say um, Finca Alto San. And where is that? And that is in Valle de Guadalupe. All right. Wine or beer, what would you choose? Oh, man. Yeah, beer. That's a tough one, though. But yeah, beer. <laughs> Flour or corn tortillas? Corn, all the way. Are you I know a... I'm a Norteño. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Norteño, but I was I was converted to gotcha. flour. Or ma yeah, um, maize. Maize. Yes. Are you a day person or a night person? I bet you I could guess that one. Hmm. I'm a day person. Really? I was. I thought yeah. for sure as a musician you would say an evening person, night person. No, I like to. I, I like to get up early. I love mornings. I have a ritual in my morning. You know that. Uh, that. That yeah. It, it, you know I have to. I have to go through certain steps before I ever step out of the house. So that has to happen early in the morning. And I guess this is a good transition to this last question. Um, do you worry about exercising physically, your body more, or your mind? My mind, absolutely. I need, I neglect my body. I hope that people got a little bit more of an insight of who you are as a person. And as, as we're wrapping this up, I want to ask you a couple questions. And I don't want you to feel like I'm pushing you out the door here. But what advice would you give to yourself as a 16-year-old? What would you say to yourself as a younger version of you? It's the times when we get tired, when we stop investing in relationships when we uh, I think when we when we stop really cherishing our friendships and um, and not respecting people not respecting people's time those are going to be the times when you find that you've fallen off track and the times that you want to try not to spend too much time in because sometimes you have to be selfish for whatever reason sometimes you have to draw back in life sometimes you have to protect yourself um but let those times be short and far between great and I, you know I, I i'm i'm always a little leery of asking this question but i'm going to ask it how do you want to be remembered how do you want San Diego and Baja to remember you? Uh, I'll never give up on the power of the people. You know, it, it's it, when it when it all comes down to it, you're never going to find Kino running around holding a banner for anybody, <laughs> any country, any political party, uh, any uh, sort of institution or organized. It's just not me. And that's going to be my contribution. But my heart lies and using the power of music to tear things down like borders. Your music is deep, and I think there's a lot of people, not only here in San Diego, but around the world, that appreciate uh, the music that, you, that you've left and that you continue to make. So I really wish you a lot of luck on your career. Look forward to continuing to hear you know, what else you would do in the next couple years. Uh, I think you have a long career ahead of you, and we're happy about that. 
So thank you so much, Kino, for joining me today with for this interview on Name Drop. And um, we'll get it out there and, and uh, look forward to hearing more from you. En estos últimos momentos Te doy todas las gracias Yo te llevo en mi corazón Te llevo en mi Thank you so much for listening to Name Drop San Diego. Thanks again, Laura, for filling in and Kino for joining us. If you like what you heard, please go to your favorite app, rate and review us and tell a friend. If you have suggestions on who we should talk to, please drop me a line. It's namedropsd at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.